0: So, Galatians 5 verse 1 is a very, very well-known verse that everyone, um, uh, you most likely know, and it is is for freedom that Christ set us free. Everyone heard that verse? So, that's a major, major anchor in the kingdom. I'm going to start there, and we're going to read for 18 verses. Can you go 18 verses with me? Everyone believe in the Bible with me? Word of God, amen. All right, here we go. For freedom, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. What he's saying is the law doesn't make you pure. The law is no longer the way to go. If you believe that, it voids grace, it voids the cross. So, um, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts, for only thing but faith working through love. Yea, God, you were running well, but who hindered you from obeying this truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will be able to take no other view than mine. The one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever that is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Paul's pretty serious about this, with his tone there. If you can't pick that up, for you are called to freedom. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So go back to Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is not, Christ did not set you free so you could be a better person. Christ did not set you free so you could help other people. Christ did not set you free so that you would learn more. Christ did not set you free just so you could feel better about your situation. Jesus set us free just for the sake of freedom. Jesus set us free so you and I would know what it's like to simply be free. Be free people, be free people not entangled by sin, not controlled by other people, not controlled by law, not controlled by desires of the flesh, completely free human beings. This is his desire. Now, God has a major plan for you and I, and this freedom thing is such a high priority for him. Let's just think for a second of how much he went through for you and I to be free. So before the foundation of the world, he decides... Jesus is going to go through the most torturous death, death ever, and all of this bad stuff is going to happen. So Jesus comes to earth, gets birthed, lived 30 years of a normal life, goes through ministry, dies the worst death ever, buries, comes back to life, and ascends back to the Father. Now that is a, quite the plan. That's a whole lot of stuff. He went really far out of his way, like God becoming man, That's a major, major plan. God's not kidding about this. Now, he did all of that. His level of priority was so high, he did all of that just so you and I could be free. According to this verse, he did that so you and I would just learn how to be free and learn how to manage ourselves amongst freedom. So if that's true, if all of that is true so you and I could just experience freedom, We really need to, one, grasp that we're free and then learn how to be responsible with our freedom. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Father, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you that your word is alive, it's breathing, it's real. Thank you that we choose to put our faith into it. I thank you that you've passed down these letters from great apostolic men like Paul. Father, I ask today that you massage our hearts, that we leave different than how we came. I ask that something has shifted today. There's a new momentum. There's a grace for learning that we are free and we're responsible. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, how many of you have ever started a workout program and only gone like a month? <clears throat> I have a few honest people. How many of you have started a workout program and gone like three days? Okay, the more honest people, I like it. it, it it's a bit shocking, isn't it? it? It feels simple. And then when you get going, you're like, man, this is pretty hard. I was motivated day one. I'm not going to follow through with it. Uh, And normally it stops within under 21 days, which is normally how long it takes to make a habit. So we all know what that feels like. And uh, I've been in that place my whole life. Until recently, I think i found the fountain of youth. Um, And I'm going to let you in on the secret today. It's the greatest workout program ever. I have found a workout regimen called Yoga now, for those of you who don't know what Yoga pilates is, it is Pilates with uh, an intense amount of stretching and a lot of balance work. Now, the term yoga, there's nothing spiritual about this. They're just trying to find a catchy way to un- make people know this isn't a spiritual thing. We're just going to do a lot of stretching, a lot of upward dog, downward dog. Um, but to give you context of why this is so important to me, I'm going to j- jump back all the way to high school, which, this is crazy, but it's 17 years ago. I'm getting old. Seven I was thinking today, seventeen years. Thirty four is old, man. Um so I grew up playing basketball. I was I loved basketball. I loved everything about basketball. I played year round. I chose to not play any other sports because I just really loved basketball. Um with if there were referees involved it was basketball. I'd play other sports outside of that, but I just loved basketball, I played all the time from a high school. We were really, really good, by the way. Old days, glory, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's like a good country song, you know, just sing about the high school days. Um, we were really good. I played all the time. I played AAU. We played through the summer. I played at night, all that. And I eventually ran myself into the ground pretty hard. Um, I got to the point where I was 16 going on 17, going into my junior year, where I hurt my back really bad and I got diagnosed with two herniated and one bulging disc. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, I'm going to describe that for you just so you can feel my pain. Really, this is just so you can f- know how to pray for me. Um, you have your spine and it's, it goes through a, a set of discs and the lowest three discs on my back got so compressed that this bad thing happened. So in the middle of all of your discs, there's like this gel, and it allows for mobility and fluidity and movement and all of that. Well, mine got so compressed that the gel shot outside onto the edge of the disc but hardened as though it was part of the disc. Needless to say, that's not supposed to be there, and it started uh, hitting different nerves in my body, sending numbness and sharp pain all down my legs. Now, how many of you know, anybody experience what I'm talking about? So if, if normally if one person gets one of those discs, they either have surgery or they're out for a long time. I had three. It was miserable. I was just turned 17. I had to stand up during class. I could not play basketball my junior year. It was just awful. Um, I would be in random places at random times and a disc would slip and it would like hit and I'd like fall on the floor. <laughs> And if you knew me, you'd be like, oh, gosh, there he goes again, you know. But if you did know me, you're like, what is this guy doing? Like in the mall, falling down on the ground. Um, Not good. The worst story, um, although it's kind of funny, you can laugh at my expense on this one. This is terrible, but really funny. I was in Sri Lanka for three weeks. This is about eight years ago, uh, visiting some orphanages and doing some cool stuff. And one morning, Stacey and I woke up to go play soccer with some kids And we're talking we're in India, right? This is not modern amenities. Uh, We're playing with on dirt with children. I've been down to tie my shoe and I felt it slip. Now, if you've ever dealt with that, when you feel that slip, that's not like I need Advil. That's like this is going to be a six-month problem, and I can't walk. So, (laughs) it's y'all feeling my pain yet? Okay. (laughs) So it happens, and I I just told Stacey I'm like it just happened like. I'm not even going to move right now because I know it's going to hurt so bad. It just happened. So we, were this, we had five days left until our 30-hour flight back to the States. And so I, had, I was in a Sri Lankan home. Uh, again, not modern amenities. It was like 100,000 degrees with no AC, and I can't move. So I'm literally just laying there for five days. Awful. But one of the cool things that happened during that five days when I was lying there Because I had nothing to do but read a bunch of books. And I enjoy reading books. And so there's this book, which I highly recommend. It's called God's Generals by Roberts Lairdon. And this guy takes about 10 to 17 stories. I don't remember uh, how many are in there. If you're doing the school of ministry, we're going to read this book. Um, It's a story of just, say, 10 people that over the past 200 years have had significant breakthrough in the realm of supernatural in their life. Um, Some people have seen extreme moves of God, uh, miracle signs and wonders happening. I enjoy reading about that. I want to do those things. How many of you want to do the things Jesus did? So the more you read about it, the more you talk about it, the better it is. So I was reading about it, and there's this one old revivalist, a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. Have you you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, some of y'all. All right, so Smith was an intense guy. There's some intense stories about Smith Wigglesworth. For example, he would just tell people, similar to Jesus saying, pick up your mat and walk, Smith would say to a man who hadn't walked in 30 years, tell people around him, pick him up and start walking, and people would start getting healed. He would tell people, just start running. Even if you can't run, if it hurts, it doesn't matter. Just keep running. I'm not advising doing that. I'm just telling the man of God did it, and he saw results. There's one story where someone didn't have toes, and he told him to go buy shoes. The man went and bought shoes. He put them on. He said, now start running, and his toes grew back out. Just miraculous, miraculous signs of God. So Stacy has an idea, and she's like, hey, you know what you should do? You should just start running down the street. (laughs) Now, now I love my wife, and I want to be a husband that really yields to my bride, being a great husband that I am. Right, honey? So we decided, you know what? Let's try it. So we get out there. We're like on this back alley in dirt, again, third world. And so I start running. Um, needless to say it did not work Uh, I think it caused more pain than good I'm kind of like hobbling down the road like (laughs) declaring healing over my body you know just terrible I'm like half crying half declaring (laughs) just miserable miserable pain so I've been on this journey for a while of trying to find just a workout program or a health regimen that really really worked and so Everything that I did, chiropractic work, massage therapy, different weightlifting, different diets, all of that stuff, they would all say you really need to work on your flexibility. You're extremely tight from this injury. You need to work on your flexibility. I just thought by working out my arms, somehow I was going to get more flexible. But <laughs> those don't work. You know, It would impress my wife in my 20s, like my big triceps. But um, those don't work. So a couple months ago, I just finally told Stacy, I'm like, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do it at home. I need to actually go to a place and start taking classes to get flexible. So I started that about three months ago, and it has been unbelievable. I I mean, I've literally had like 40% less pain in my body. My day-to-day is like so much better. Just side note, I fully believe in God's healing. God didn't hurt me. God doesn't want me to be sick. But until that point, whichever day that is that I get healed, I'm going to steward it on my end. Amen? So... They tell you at Yoga Lotties, they say, no, it's going to be a shock to your system. So you need to go like three straight days. Now, I don't think they've ever had someone as unflexible as me <laughs> join the class. So this is, I'm not exaggerating, two days in, I got sick for four days, like like sick. And we were thinking like, oh, my gosh, like my body was so, this was so foreign to my body that my everything else in my body was just in total shock and chaos. I mean, I literally had a fever. It was that amount of intensity. And what my body was saying is, you know, I want you to stay here. And when you're stretching me, I am exhausted and frustrated. I want to go back to where I was before. My hamstring is saying, dear God, please stop stretching me this way. We learned how to manage life before. We don't need you to get more flexible just please stop putting me through this excruciating pain. I didn't say this, but the class is in, like, a sauna. It's hot, like, purposefully, like, 90 degrees. And my body's just in absolute shock the whole time. So as I'm learning to stretch my body, my body's yelling back at me saying, no, it's slightly getting better, but it's still wildly embarrassing. I mean, there's guys in there doing, like, just the craziest stuff, like, their knees, like, behind their neck. And I'm just like, what in the world? I'm going to get there, though. But... (laughs) Anyway, in this journey of, of, of physically stretching myself to get to where my body needs to be, I believe that spiritually it's very similar to that model as it is when we're learning to be free. See, Jesus set us free, but it doesn't just come automatically. You and I actually have to walk into freedom. See, we're, we're used to people controlling us. We're used to not being free and people making decisions for us. And whether we like it or not, a lot of times we even fall back into it when we really don't even want to. See, when you're completely free, no one controls you. You make your own decisions. Um, You're not entangled by anything. And what happens is when you learn that amount of freedom, you actually want to go back to where you were before. Anytime God breaks something new in your life and you step into a new realm of freedom, it's a bit scary, like you stepped off the boat, and you want to kind of go back into it. A great example of this is the Israelites. God partnered with Moses to save over a million slaves. That's, that's, quite, that's quite the day, right? He goes in, he saves a million slaves, and he brings them out into this area where God says, I'm going to give you a promised land that's going to be flowing with milk and honey. He's taking a bunch of slaves, and he gives them a whole bunch of freedom in the middle of nowhere. And Moses keeps telling them, guys, the guy that got you out of there is going to bring you into the promised land. These people had been slaves for so long. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slave, Their kids were slave. They were born into slavery. And now they walk into freedom. And when they're in freedom, they start complaining to Moses saying, hey, I would prefer you just take me back there. I know where I'm going to eat tonight. I know where I'm going to sleep. I know who's supposed to tell me what to do. Hey, back here, I don't have to think for myself. What they're saying is, I, I don't know how to manage myself with all this freedom." got to get this. I, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, Moses, that like I have to figure out on my own where I'm sleeping tonight. I have to figure out how to manage this freedom. I don't know how to do this. I'd rather just go back into slavery. Are you getting this? This is people who are set free, but the, the natural tendency is to go back into bondage. This is an easier lifestyle. See, maintaining your freedom actually requires more of you, not less. When you want to step into your freedom, it's requiring a lot. And so as, we, as we're walking into new levels of freedom, just understand that the enemy is actually trying to get you back all the time into this kind of robotic state where other people are controlling you or you're just kind of controlled by a life of sin. So the first challenge is, is to understand that you're free and to fight for freedom. So I have great news for you. You, you really are free. So your boss doesn't control you money doesn't control you your spouse doesn't control you your kids don't control you you are a completely free human being sin doesn't control you if any of those things control you you allow them to control you because you're a free person you're completely free if you grew up in the church that means you're as messed up as me and uh just kidding um, kind of, not really um This is a bit shocking if you grew up in the church. God actually doesn't control you. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Jesus didn't do everything he did so he can start controlling you. Listen, some of you got to hear that. We, We use God as a scapegoat sometimes. God is empowering us and wants us to learn how to manage our freedom. He's not looking for people who come to him for, how do I tie my shoe? What food should I eat? this this bondage all the time. God is not looking for that. He's looking for people he can empower, who have free will, and learn how to manage themselves. Did you know that? God is not controlling you, nor does he want to control you. God didn't control Adam in the garden. God's not trying to put things around you to hold you down and keep you suppressed. God wants you to be completely free. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to give you two biblical stories that I would consider to be extremely sobering. The first one goes bad. The second one goes really good. So these are huge kind of these paradoxes of free and responsible that Jesus models. I find these to be shocking, to be honest. Both of these stories I'm about to tell you are shocking to me, that Jesus actually functioned like this, and this is how we're actually supposed to function. Okay, the first story is a story of the rich young ruler. There's a story in the Bible. It's called The Rich Young Ruler. And this young man walks up to Jesus. He's obviously a man of influence. He's a man who has money. It doesn't say how much money he had, but obviously if the Bible chooses to describe him as that, he's going to have some money. He walks up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? What a great question. Jesus answers it with the most kind of mundane answer, but true. He says, Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your father and mother. Basic, basic commandments. And the guy says, okay, I do all that, and i is there something I'm missing? I'm paraphrasing here. I feel like he's saying, I do all that, and I know there's more. What, what else is there? There's this, uh, this something in me is not satisfied. I'm looking for more. And Jesus, knowing what that man needed to hear, said, What you need to do is go sell all your possessions and then come follow me. And the the Bible says the man walked away mourning. All right, a couple highlights here. Jesus let this man walk away. This is a man who's completely free, and he could make any choice he wanted, and Jesus gave him an option, and he did not choose the option, and the man walked away, and Jesus let him walk away. Think of that level of freedom. Jesus didn't try to water it down to manipulate or quarrel him in. He didn't try to create boundaries for this man to like feel like maybe I can get this guy in. He just gave it to him black and white. Completely empowered him to make a decision. This is how God is with us. Do you want this or do you not want it? This is like Jesus saying, here's the deal, man. I know for you that money is in a bad place in your life. I need you to go give away all that money if you're going to follow me because here's why. That whole lukewarm thing, I don't do that. And I'm 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 requiring so much of you if you give me your freedom. And the man didn't want it. And he let him walk away. Is that sobering to anybody else? This is God letting someone just walk away. And so we'd say, well, he's the God of the night. He leaves the 99 for one. That's true. The 99 for one analogy is where a sheep, someone who's trying, is lost. This is a story of a man who, who just chose to not do it. And he let him walk away. That's that's so sobering to me. That one didn't end well, but it does model how free God lets you be. Do you know that you don't have to be a Christian? You don't have to be here. You don't have to do Christian rituals. You really do need to understand that to give God your yes. You are not forced to be a Christian. It's a choice. Okay, here's the second story. This one goes really well. How many of you like the good stories? So, Jesus... He's got all of his disciples with him. They're really doing a good job. All of their uh, outreaches are working. Uh, He's feeding 5,000 people, not including women and children. So let's just say at least 10,000, probably 15,000 people. Now, the disciples are probably super jacked up at this point. Like, man, it started with 12. This is working. There's 15,000 people here. Like, man, Jesus, we're doing it. Things are going well, right? Everybody's excited. Just seeker-sensitive Jesus ramps up the, 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 the message. And so he starts saying, hey, here's the deal, guys. Once, now that y'all are here, you're ready. You have to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood to, to, to inherit the kingdom. All right. Now, we do that on a somewhat regular basis. The Bible says to do that. that. This is the first time they've heard this. This is cannibalism. <laughs> so you can just imagine Peter being like, what are you doing? Like, man, this is working. What are you doing? Jesus repeats himself four times. He was not worried about the crowds leaving. The Bible says they start leaving, people close to him, some of the disciples start leaving. And here's the moment. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, are you going to leave? All right, just stop the story right there. What a question. This is Peter. This is a top three apostle that he's just looking at saying, hey, Peter, do you want to go? I mean, you can imagine Peter being like, are you really just going to, like, can I just walk off? Like, you're okay with me just leaving? I can just wander off, and you'll be okay with that? I mean, what a stunning question. What kind of God would just let him walk away? Why is that? Peter, you're completely free. Peter, you don't have to be here. Peter, you, you, you have to learn how to manage yourself, but you're completely free. Okay, and then Peter nails it, and he says, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, You're scaring me. I don't know what you're talking about. You've confused everyone. Your ministry model is not working. Um, But when you talk, something in me comes alive, and I know that you're the Son of God, so I'm in. Okay, what happened in that moment? Peter gave Jesus his yes. He he knew. He said, okay, Jesus, I see what you're doing here. You're going to let me walk away. You won't control me or manipulate me. And what I'm going to do as an act of worship is I'm going to surrender my life to you. That's my choice. It's really good, guys. This is is Peter saying, all right, I'm in. I'll do it. I get it. You give me so much freedom, I'm going to give my freedom back to you. And Jesus made Peter the rock of the church. What he did was, Peter you're a free man i'm going to teach you how to be so responsible with this freedom of yours peter thank you for seeing it now once you say yes i'm going to make you more responsible and peter nailed it jesus is looking for people like you and i who don't have to understand everything but we understand that we're free and with our yes and with our choice we give him our life it's the power of choice See, free people, if you're free, that means you make your own choices. Money doesn't make choices for you. Your parents don't make choices for you. You make daily choices. You've decided to live in this area. That's your choice. Nobody else. You can't blame anybody else. See, free people know that they have to start making decisions. And when you make decisions, you're aware that it affects everyone around you. The Bible says he's looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for us to give him our yes. People who aren't forced into it, but they choose to give him your yes. All right, so here it is. We have, we're completely free. It's for freedom that he set us free. And we get to choose to do life with God. And what God requires from us is that we're responsible with this freedom. It's what Paul is saying. Hey, now, with your freedom, don't go abusing everything and go into left field. Um, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, Soldiers don't get involved with civilian affairs. They stay in line for the one who put them in the army. What he's saying is like, hey, man, if you're in, you need to be in. Hey, rich young ruler, are you in or are you not in? Peter, are you in or are you not in? He's looking for free people who say yes, and he's going to put responsibility on us. So how are we going to learn to manage ourselves amongst all this freedom? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked me about this question. I have three keys that I have learned so we can learn how to be free and completely responsible. Why did Jesus set us free? For freedom. It's a big point. If you leave with anything today, know that. Okay, so in this life where you're free you're choosing to be free, and then you want to start living for God with your freedom. Point number one is, are you in self-control? All right. Self-control is the ultimate form of freedom. Things don't control me. I control them, not people. I'm saying you know, TV doesn't control me. Food doesn't control me. I control it. You're not actually free until you're functioning in self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and when you function with God, you start managing yourself with self-control. See, if you're free and I'm free, the only thing that manages us is self-control. See, if I don't control you and you don't control me, we're both in self-control. Self-control is the ultimate form of freedom. Going off and doing anything you want is not free. You'll eventually end back up in bondage. But learning how to manage yourself in self-control allows you to be free in the amongst of options. Think about it like this. Jesus was Jesus everywhere he went. He was in self-control everywhere he went. How could Jesus hang out with prostitutes, gamblers, and alcoholics and never fall into it? He was in self-control. It's hard to be salt, light, and loving when you're not in self-control. So we have to learn how to manage ourselves in our freedom, and the main way to do that is to live in self-control. I'm in complete control of me. Everywhere I go, I'm me. And I control me. I control my emotions. I control my soul. Everything I do. Okay, number two. Are you protecting everyone in the room? There's a level of freedom. Some of you have probably mm, flirted with this. There's a level of freedom, especially when you come out of religious environments where your freedom can actually make other people stumble. You can be so free... In Christ, where people don't understand it and you're actually confusing them and harming them. Um, Very basic example, if you are someone who feels okay with drinking alcohol and in your life you manage yourself well and you believe that drinking wine is okay, which is in the Bible, um, that's great. If you can manage yourself with drinking alcohol, that's great. If there's someone in the room who has a drinking problem or just come out of AA, don't drink around them that's not protecting them. So you are in self-control and you're protecting everyone around you. Why is that? Because you're free and you could abuse it or you can manage it and God's teaching us how to manage it. And in that protection, we want to make sure that we're protecting everyone else around us. Paul put it like this. If one man can eat meat and one man can't, that's fine. The one who can, just don't eat around the one who can't. Just don't make someone stumble because of that. Just are you protecting everyone around you? Jesus told the disciples one time, he said, I have more to tell you, but I can't right now. Basically, it would harm you. That's interesting. Jesus is saying, I could give you more truth, but it would actually harm I'm protecting you by not showing you everything. I'm managing my freedom to a point where I'm not going to harm you. I love that. I love that he said that. So making sure that we're protecting everyone around us. And third and lastly, are you serving everyone around you? So your life is not about you. Are you taking your free will and serving everyone around you? If you're ever spending time with God or if you ever come up with the conclusion um, that with your freedom you're not supposed to serve other people around you, that's not God. Jesus modeled a lifestyle of serving. So in your freedom, make sure you're serving people. Don't use your freedom to do anything you want. Make sure that you're using your freedom to promote everyone around you. Can I get amen? All right, I want to close with this. Jesus is looking for people he can entrust cities to. He is looking for people that he can promote that will be a part of governing and fathering a city. But he can only do that with people who understand their freedom and try to live a responsible life. Okay, the story of the mina. There's a story one man gets, I'm paraphrasing here, three men get lined up, one man gets one, one man gets three, one man gets ten. And if they steward their mina, they get promoted. Now, here's the thing. This is a kingdom key for us. Think about it. Ten mina, let's say $10,000. I have $10,000. When I manage my $10,000 well, he didn't give us, he didn't promote us to $100,000. He promoted us over 10 cities. Think about it. If I have $10,000, dollars i do well with it. You would think that God would be like, hey, good job, I'm going to multiply that. You got $70,000 now. That's not how he thinks. The level of responsibility that he's looking for you tonight to manage is cities. You did well with $10,000? Great, I'm going to put you over 10 cities. Why is that? He's looking for people who know how to manage themselves well. Those are the type of people he wants influencing cities. Do you want to influence a city? If you manage your freedom well and steward your freedom well, God wants to promote you to be a part of mothering and fathering a city. I get really excited about that. So in the quiet place when no one's watching, you steward your freedom. You you manage your freedom, and then hope God, or trust that God one day is going to promote you in your process to be a person who influences a city. So, in this mindset of learning how to be free, and responsible. You are completely free, and you need to grasp that you're completely free, and with your freedom, you can start living a responsible lifestyle. And I am looking for people to join me in the city and in this community that want to manage themselves, that want to take on the responsibility with their freedom to see heaven come to earth. Can I get an amen? Awesome. Worship team, come back up. So we're going to do, go back into that song. How many of y'all love that song, Reckless Love? Love. Like a a glory cloud. Um, Why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and stand up? Or you don't have to stand up. Posture yourselves in any form of worship. I would suggest standing. But hey, you're free. You can do anything you want. I'm going to go back into the song and just really just a couple things. Think about ways that you have not been free and ways that you have kind of allowed other things to control you and not been, get, gotten all the tentacles off of your life in order so that you can be free so you can choose God. I, and there's a couple of just things I felt during if you feel like God doesn't want to use you, I just feel like he wants to kind of massage your heart during worship right now. If you feel like things that you've been past, or your past is too messed up, that God won't use you, I think God wants to take care of that. So as we go into the song, we we'll are just gonna do this for five minutes. Just go before him, thanking him that you're free and responsible, and ask him of ways that you can start living your life in a more free and responsible